Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Uh, I've learned how to say a new word. What's that Bourgeois. Word? Bourgeois. Bourgeoisie. So, <laughs> I, I've, uh, I, I was Googling. <laughs> you people need to be in this room for the last half hour. Oh, yeah. This has been, this has been, we should have, we should be already like half done this show already tonight, but we're not. So, the question became, are we Gen Xers or are we baby boomers or what? So, we Googled it. There are generation compares, and there's a new one that came out that I've never heard of before. So there's I don't the think hippies. it's new. It's just that it's new to never, us. Yeah, new yeah. to us. Definitely new to me. Hippies, yuppies. You've heard of baby boomers. Yeah. Bobos. And <laughs> I won't tell you the term we used to use, bobos, besides Bobo the Clown. <laughs> um, <laughs> bourgeois bohemians. Yes. Are bobos. Yeah. So Derek's been practicing bourgeois. 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 Bourgeoisie. Bougie. Bourgeois. She's so bougie. <laughs> so this is, what, this is what our evening's been. But yeah, so we're trying Tonight. to figure out what we are. And I think we kind of fit into, or I know, I feel like I fit into two groups. Well, you So know the what? 50s and 60s are like the Bobos. 50s, yeah, 50s. See, well, they say when they're born, right? So yeah. if you were born in the 30s and 40s, you're, you became a hippie. Yeah. Right? So they're, I think they're all saying by the time you're 25, because if you ended up, well, they say the late 30s. So if you're looking at 39, by the time the mid-60s came around, you're 25. Yeah. Right? 25, 26, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So if you go by that, yuppies, which kind of threw me for a loop, um, were born in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. I, I, that one yeah. didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. The bobos were born in the 50s to 60s. Yeah. Generation X, which I've always thought I fell into, was the 60s and 70s. And the millennials are the 70s to now. Yeah. Right? So, actually, if you're looking at some of this stuff, Bobos are free-spirited, concerned for others in the environment. Uh, Generation X, pragmatic, accept diversity, reject rules, latchkey kids, technology savvy, friends, not family, reject rules. Like, we're Gen X Bobos. <laughs> Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> Long live the Bobos. <laughs> this is what we learned at our age. <laughs> Time well spent We're tonight, a couple guys. of Bobos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can take that however you want. <laughs> um, what does it say Bobos are? Because it explains, we're on this one. Uh, Bobos are bourgeois in the sense that they are urban, well-educated, professionally successful, and in their own special way, extremely materialistic. He's trying to say it in a nice way. In their own special way, extremely materialistic. Like the yuppies, bobos are top income generators, occupying managerial or entrepreneurial positions in cool, in little air quotes, professions and spending freely to support their demanding lifestyles. Uh, how much did you spend on your new canoe? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there you go. At the same time, they're also bohemian because their values reflect some of the hippies' spiritualism and quest for balance, healthiness, and meaning. Well-educated to begin with, they feel driven to expand their cultural horizons through experiences and travel, which also justifies some of their materialistic urge. Hmm. 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 Who could so that's find fault in being material, material well-off and spiritually balanced? Wow. This, this is deep. This is deep. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm a Bobo and a Gen Xer. Yeah, way to go, Bobo. Hey, Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wasn't... No, that was Bobo. I was thinking, wasn't Bobo Michael Jackson? No, wasn't Bobo Ronald Reagan's monkey? Ronald Reagan had a monkey? Oh, no, that was Bonzo. Never mind. There's got to be a Bobo monkey in there somewhere. <laughs> Bonzo. Bed, well, Ronald Reagan did the... Uh, I didn't he know was it. an actor first, right? Yeah. Bedtime for Bonzo. Oh. Right, or something like that was one of the movies. And then uh, Michael Jackson had Bubbles. That was it. So, all right. Awesome. Um, Bobo was a clown. Oh, There's yeah, a Bobo yeah. the monkey. Bobo, is there a Bobo the monkey? Okay, we've gone down a rabbit hole today. <laughs> we do actually have a show. So it was a gorilla. Bobo, 1951, died 1968, was a, lo- a Western lowland gorilla who was a prominent... Uh, uh, I ran out of reading. I have to click on the actual link. 
Oh, no. Wikipedia, he was a Bobo. Wikipedia is asking for money again. Oh, they always do. Um, Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, Washington, from 53 until his early death at 17 years old. Less than half a normal lifespan. Aww. Yeah. Oh, Toronto Zoo just lost a uh, gorilla. Oh, yeah? Like one of the last of the originals. She was 49. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's hmm. sad news there. Uh, anyway, so us Gen Xers and Bobos. Yes. <laughs> I don't even know how. Like I say, that took us down a rabbit hole. We never thought we'd go down <laughs> that for sure. But where, where did the last two hours go? <laughs> I don't know. Well, all I want to know is, uh, was, are we Gen X or are we baby boomers? And some of them cross over, so we could be like a Bobo Gen X baby boomer yuppie. <laughs> and they wonder why we have problems. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's labels, people. Stop labeling me. All right, what are we talking about? Okay, so, 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 we had a bit of a busy week. Uh, getting stuff done around the house, getting, you know, just clean up stuff like that. And, uh, I need a new pair of boots for winter. Got myself a new pair of boots. I haven't had a new pair of boots in like 20 years. Oh yeah? Yeah. Forever. So I need a new pair of boots this year because my ones last year, I ended up with a bit of a rip and, um, in them and this stuff. So I went to sale and was checking out some boots. Got myself a nice pair of Baffin Island boots and, uh, yeah, 300 bucks later, but <laughs> Like I say, if I'm keeping a pair of boots for 20 years, I don't mind spending that money. Yeah. If they're going to last me a year, yeah, I'm not spending more than 50. Yeah. You know, so these ones will last me a bit of a uh, time. But while I was there, I was sitting there looking and went over to check out some of the stuff that we were not able to get this summer because the stocks were empty. Oh, yes. Right? So it seems now that the outdoor stores, you know, now the paddling season's over. Mm-hmm. Outdoor stores seem to be restocking, restocking some yeah. of this stuff, which is a bit late. But, yeah. You know. So I'm thinking I'm going to start stocking up with some of this stuff over the winter months because people aren't going to be buying it. Exactly. Especially just in case next year. There's another run on the stores. Ends mm-hmm. up the same as this yeah. year. And everybody decides they're going to start going backcountry next yeah. year. Right. And we're going to run into the same problem. Yeah. So I've got this big, uh, white tote thingy over here, plastic tote thing. When I was cleaning up, I ended up with it empty. And I figure if I go to some of these outdoor stores, I'm going to start stocking up on freeze dried meals. Right. Yeah. Um, so I went over to the freeze dried meal section and what got me thinking about this is, well, we bought a crap load of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can look at that. I got, I got a, I got a menu now, a variable menu for, I can probably go out for about two weeks. Yeah. I bought that much. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy any toilet paper. I'm not stocking up on toilet paper. <laughs> Don't worry about that. It's just, uh, <laughs> just the, just the freeze dried foods, the happy yak, the Alpen air, that sort of stuff. Right. Every time I'm out near that store, I'm going to take 10 minutes, jump in. And this is a little, uh, little tip for, for this is what the, we're talking about now. It's just tips for what to do over the winter. Going to take a quick jump in and buy one or two meals. Mm-hmm. It's better to spend 20 bucks now on a couple of meals yeah. than say 300 before your trip. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So if you spend 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks yeah. over six months, as opposed to, okay, well I got to spend you spread 300 out the bucks. Yeah. 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 It's a payment plan. And I was, <laughs> I was doing that with uh freeze dried food over the last year or so anyways. Like every time at, at Atmosphere, they have uh buy three, get 5% off, buy four packs, get 10% off, buy five packs, get 15% off. Okay. You get six packs of freeze dried food, you get 20% off. So I'd go in and buy five or six packs at a time. And so if I'm in for something else, I always picked up some freeze dried. Yeah. Just, well, and that's exactly what I'm mm-hmm. doing now. And I've got a little piece of paper in there that shows what I've got and how yeah. many. And then come your trip. Well, and we're even going to take a couple out on our winter camping trips. Yeah. So that we know, oh yeah, we'll like this. So if you're mm-hmm. out for two weeks yeah. and you've got five macaroni and cheese <laughs> and you find out the first day you don't like macaroni this and cheese. This is nasty. <laughs> you, you got four more days of macaroni and cheese to get through, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, you know, it's just like I say, is is I got the list in there so I can 
add every time I yeah. go buy more that I've mm-hmm. got more. Or when I'm taking it, you know, some on a trip, I can just cross off. Well, I took three, so I'm taking three off the list sort of stuff. And yeah, at the end of the day, you've got all this stuff there. But you could also do that with more than just the food. Like I know everybody was going after the fuel canisters. They couldn't get the little uh, oh yes little, yeah little fuel yeah. canisters. They're hard right? to find. So same deal. Yeah. Because they don't run out within six months or anything like that. They got a shelf life on them. So <laughs> yes. go pick up a couple over the winter. You know what? Wrap them up for Christmas. <laughs> there you if go. If you know somebody that was complaining, they yeah, couldn't find there you it. Go. Here you go, buddy. Here's <laughs> your Christmas present. Here's a butane canister Here's a butane canister for <laughs> your jet boil. <laughs> Here. Here's some Thai coconut freeze-dried soup. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah. Man, that's a great <laughs> idea stocking for stocking stuffers, stuffers yeah. eh? <laughs> oh, what I get? Oh, I got an apple. I got an orange. I got some candy canes. I got... Ooh, spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) and a mudslide. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great stocking stuffer. So if you know anybody that's in the outdoors, (laughs) if you're stuck on what to get them. And the thing was, is we saw those uh, seven meal kits or seven, seven day meal kits. And I said, oh, you know what? There's got a ton of them here. I'm going to buy one of these boxes later, maybe in a couple of weeks. And yeah, they sold out really fast. So I'm not going to do that again. So if you know there's stuff that you you missed out on this past paddling season, take your time over the winter and just put a couple away. So that come time when the, the paddle, new paddling season starts, if, if all this goes south again like it did and everybody's out there and you can't get anything, then you'll, you'll be uh, already ready to go. Uh, second tip for your winter months, repair your paddles. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. These are something else I'm, because I was out in the garage cleaning up and stuff. I found one of my main paddles that I use, the the, the tip is just bashed. Across, yeah. Right. That's where the majority of my, like I'll get a couple scrapes on the side or, you know, on the blade, I'll get some scrapes or a couple of dings or gouges or something like that. But it's usually the bottom of the blade mm-hmm. where you're, you know, pushing off of a rock or you go to, to paddle and you find that rock you just missed <laughs> you know um using it as that that balance yep exactly you, know, you, you bash up the end right yeah totally bash up the end of it one of mine's gotten pretty munched and because it's gotten a bit munched up there's a crack going up from it now so it's either do i throw the paddle out or well, do no. i fix it I would fix it. Because it's actually quite the good paddle. I, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's, like I say, it's one of my favorite paddle. Well, I guess my second favorite paddle. And I'm figuring, you know what I'm going to do is cover the end with some fiberglass and epoxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give it some strength. The other thing you can do is if you've mashed it too much is cut a little piece of wood. Right? Because if, 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 if you've mashed it enough where you're down a half a centimeter or half an inch, whatever. Yeah. Cut a little piece of wood. To the semi shape, I guess. Yeah. That you can protect and then cover it with the fiberglass and epoxy, sand it all down, then some urethane or varnish, whatever you want to put on it, marine varnish. With the cracks, and I learned this in shop class way (laughs) back, uh, wood glue and sawdust. Yeah. Just put some of that into the cracks and if you got some uh, uh, clamp, clamp it together to let it dry. And I mean, you got all winter, so you can let it. exactly let it dry and then give it a little sanding and, and cover that as well. So, um, one of my favorite paddles, I have a bench shaft paddle, super light. It's fiberglass. The blade is fiberglassed and, uh, it's, it is cracked. And I keep thinking if I could figure out how to splice in a, a spline of aluminum into the, into blade, like, so you cut the face of the paddle in and then you bury a piece of aluminum inside the tip of the blade. And then epoxy and fiberglass it over, mm-hmm. just because it's a nice paddle, it's super light, bent shaft. It's a, it's got a dual bend. It's a, I can't remember the brand, but it's a whiskey jack, I think. It's whiskey jack. Anyways, it's uh, I'm very disappointed. I've tried not to use it because it's cracked. So uh, I've been trying to figure out how do I rig this up on my table saw so that I get a a nice slice of the tip of it, enough to slip in a piece of aluminum and then glue it back up and fiberglass it. I don't know if you'd be able to cut it on your table saw, would you? Without it shattering? 
I assume you should be able to. I've seen paddles with the blades with the aluminum stuck in the end, right? Mm-hmm. And you, when people, when when companies, they epoxy the tip. So you see that epoxy tip. It's like a, you know, a centimeter of epoxy tip. Yeah. It's 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 cut into the end of the blade as well, right? They've they've slashed the end of the blade open, and then you've got this insert of epoxy, and then plus you get the outer part of it too, right? Yeah, I think they'd be using a bit more finer finer saws. Oh than yeah, absolutely. Table saw. Yeah. Spark <laughs> that bad boy up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that your rip blade? <laughs> I'll yeah. figure something out. Just because I want to keep using it, but it's uh, the crack grows a little bit every year, so it's like a, it's a good two and a half, three inches long now. The crack. That it? Yeah. I think mine's like about a foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice crack all the way up from the. It might bottom. not be able to recover yours. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. please. Because <laughs> I was, I always carry a spare. So. Yeah. But no, this is a nice uh, beaver tail paddle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like an all-purpose sort of really mm-hmm. nice paddle. Um, yeah, I think this is, this is the winter I've got to actually do some, some yeah. repairs cause it's, yeah, it's getting to the point where if I don't. Yeah. Eh, yeah. I have to repair my go. canoe this year too. Actually, I want to take it to somebody to get it repaired. The, uh, I've beaten it up so much that it, uh, it takes on water. What brand is it? <laughs> it's a holy cow canoe. And, uh, so, but I, I've, I've worn the keel off. And, uh, so it's, uh, water gets in and flows right inside. So it, it like, you know, it takes on a little bit of water, like, like a cup or two every, every hour. So that's extra weight when you're. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Go to Holy Cow Canoe Company. Say, well, Hey, can you fix it? Hey, for can me? you fix it up? I need yeah. to do something. I, I know that, uh, AO has a canoe fixer guy. There's, uh, Grant knows somebody it's uh johnny's boat shop or something that's up in oh i've heard Muskoka. of that yeah yeah so i gotta take it somewhere I won't, my I, canoes yeah i don't have to worry about i don't want to ham fist it i want to get it done proper yeah the, the canoe's done good by me as have have had it for about 15 years so yeah right yeah it's time to get a fix buddy yeah that. i don't want to just dispose of it it's like no. still a real good canoe i like it my old canoe i had we had for wow 25 years something yeah. like that and then yeah it became a cottage canoe mm-hmm as far as I know, it's still at somebody's cottage. <laughs> uh, so yeah, fix your paddles. And if you Google and, or YouTube and stuff, there's so many people on YouTube that show you how to fix paddles and wood paddles and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So this is stuff that you can do, you know, little projects over the over the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you learn to fix it because... yeah. The price of paddles these days, man, it's getting a bit much. My newest paddle, it's, uh, I got it at AO and it's, uh, it's not varnished. It's just bare wood and it's, uh, oiled? it's oiled. Yeah. And between like every time I'm on a trip, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to re-oil the paddle. Okay. I'll do this when I get home. Next trip. Oh, I'm supposed to oil this paddle. And the problem is, is it's soaking up water so that if you, there's a couple times where I've left it sitting on the ground in the sun. And so one side of it dries and then the whole paddle curves, it cups. Yeah. And, and see, that's when I got my uh, Hunter and Harris paddle. Yeah. So do you want it oiled or varnished? Yeah. You better varnish that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to treat it badly. I'm going to forget, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause that, and that's exactly it. Cause you, you throw it in your garage and I go, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll come out and I'll do that. I, I'll do that next time. And then it's like, Ooh, <clears throat> guess what I forgot to do. Exactly. Right. Ooh, yeah. So, so my paddle getting very absorbent. It gets heavier at the end of a trip. So, <laughs> <laughs> so freeze dried foods and gear, go and pick that stuff up, repair your paddles, maps, go through your maps, open them all up, examine them, check the dates and all that, and separate them into two piles. The first pile is a repair pile. Second pile is a replace. I guess you could say there's a third pile too. The, these ones are still good pile, but a repair and a replace pile. So the repair pile, they're all the maps with, you know, small rips, tears, you know, you just put a piece of tape on both sides, fixes it, no problems, fold it back up, put it in your keep pile. <laughs> um, you'd also have a, a throw out pile of, yeah. like, I'm never using, I never go into Botswana. Yeah. I'm throwing that map out. Pretty much all my maps are th- go in a throw out pile. I always buy the disposable paper ones, right? See that big pile up on top of that? Yeah. Those are all maps. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it's like two feet tall. Like for a Gonquin and stuff like that, I always buy. It's only six bucks. I buy a yeah. new canoe roots paddle or canoe roots map every year, and and by the end of the trip, it's all kind of getting ripped and tattered. And yeah, I go like, throw through one every year, year and a half. Yeah, I'm too cheap to buy a new. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the other thing, when you're coming to checking out your maps, check the dates. Because things change on maps. Yes, absolutely. You know, like, I mean... Uh, um, Continental Drift. Uh, we were... Uh, oh, what was the guy's name that I was watching one of his YouTube videos? They, uh, Kevin Callan was mentioning him. No guy idea. from from England. And he was talking about following Hap Wilson's maps. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, well, this wasn't like this, and this wasn't like this, and this wasn't like this. Oh, well, yeah. Things have changed. Well, things Wilson's change. maps are like If you're 20 using a 20-year-old map, yeah. there's a good chance things have changed, and that yeah. could be... River shift. I mean, a lot a lot of the things that he was running into is, well, that's not a class three. Where's the dam that's you supposed know, to be yeah, here? Yeah, that sort of thing. Where it, if it goes the other way, you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's just a little a little swift up here, and then all of a sudden something's changed. They yeah. did remove a dam. Now, all of a sudden, there's a big set of rapids mm-hmm. you're screwed <laughs> so definitely in your replace pile check the ones you know that are that are beyond repair chuck them out ones that are out of date chuck them out um you know and and, and how much are maps they're not all that much they're not that expensive nowadays no. right just order new ones go in and buy them mm-hmm. and you know what that gives you a ch- an excuse to go into that outdoor store Buy the map, and while you're there, get some if they freeze got dried some freeze food. dried food, <laughs> <laughs> pick it up. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, we're going to talk about etiquette. Yes, at ticket. It's it's about time. It's due. It's due. So I was reading the outdoor. Or sorry, the, I always wanted to call it the outdoor journal, but that's the radio show. Adventure journal. Uh, the adventure journal, and they have an article entitled "We Need a Guidebook for Camping Etiquette." And this was originally published in 2017, but because of all this monolith stuff <laughs> been popping up, and by the way, just a little update, monoliths are now popping up everywhere. Or, They're finding them in England, they found them in Alaska, now we got one in Winnipeg. Well, we're on number five now. Is there number five? Well, one, two, three, four, yeah, there's like five so far, five yep. or six that we've, we've that have come up in the last mm-hmm. week or whatever. So because of this... And the leave no trace and why it was, you know, guys went in and ripped it down and stuff like this. They figured it's time to replace or or reprint this etiquette article. Yeah. So the the article, if you go to Adventure Journal, is it .org or .com? I think it's .com. It's .com. It's adventure-journal.com. Yeah. You'll You'll find it there. Uh, if you want to read the whole article, but basically they're saying, you know, it, it talks about etiquette that's needed while camping in the back country. Um, they talk about noise, leave no trace, camping locations, all that sort of stuff. And one of the things they do say is, you know, not all leave no trace rules can be followed. And the example they use is you have to camp 200 feet away from the nearest body of water. Well, how do you do that if you're in a 50 foot canyon right like you can't do that so you you do the best you can and that's that's sort of how i've always gone with the leave no trace i mean being with algonquin backcountry recreationalist groups that was one of the big things we were starting to bring in was you know get on the The seven rules of no leave leave no no trace trace. yeah and there's some of the stuff you're looking on there going well you know you know what yeah we follow this pretty religiously but there's times you just can't yeah you know um if you're way up north and you've got all these little shrubs and no trees, well, you're not hanging your bear, your yeah. bear peg, you know, how far back, exactly. yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, you know, so you, you, you follow that sort of as you can. And the author of the article, she talks about the things she likes to do on the back country, some of which may not be acceptable to other people. And, you know, so in that person's, um, you know, does it come down that the majority of etiquette comes down to what is acceptable to the individual? Exactly. Right. And that's the big thing. Everybody it's, has their different levels of acceptability. Yeah. So when you're looking at etiquette, if you're by yourself, then your etiquette does not include certain things, yeah. certain things, yeah. right? Um, 
But there's points of etiquette that should be universal no matter what. Correct. Like I say, with the the leave no trace as close as possible. Don't leave garbage, no graffiti, no destruction of nature. And though the, the graffiti, no destruction of nature, boom, there's that monolith thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Because realistically, the, it's a statue, it's still a type of graffiti. Sort Correct. of, right? Yeah. So they had to cut it into this limestone. They uh, installed this thing. And then, you know, as is evidenced by, so when they did take that monolith away, it was, I think it was a good thing because just from all the evidence of uh, people just mass uh, going to that area and oh, yeah. traipsing through the delicate desert, driving the cars over everything. Planes, and, yeah, motorbikes, like, e-bikes, cars, yeah. trucks, motorcycles. So it's like, good that it's gone. It, it was, there's, there's so much damage being done. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and there, all the garbage that was left yeah. out there and People everything. idiots. Just absolutely destroyed the area. Yeah. They, you know, honestly, just sort of to go a little bit to the side of this is they should never have said anything. The people, found the people it, yeah. that found it, yeah. the, the sheep, sheep counters. Yeah. They should never have said, said anything. anything. Yeah. And that would have, because right now that whole area is an environmental disaster. Yes. Right. Um, Anyway, you have to respect one of the other things, you know, that should be point, uh, an etiquette that should be universal is respect others that may be camped near you or those you pass during the day, whether you're hiking, whether you're backpacking, whether you're canoe tripping, whatever it is, have respect for the people that are near you at all times. Exactly. Don't be traipsing down a trail or on a portage with a, a Bluetooth speaker hanging off your pack, blasting music and so on. It's like, come yeah. on, put it in a set well, of Well, that was this past summer. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm always joking, Sam, becoming that grumpy old man, get the hell <laughs> off my lawn, right? Yeah. Waving my fist. But we had those canoes coming by our site, yeah. blaring their music. Yeah. Dudes, like, what are you doing? Yeah, put in some earbuds. Um. And, you know, the big one for us, of course, is portage etiquette. Oh, yeah. Keep People the takeout so puddings short. clear. Yeah. Give give way along the portage to those with larger loads or carrying canoes, that yeah. sort of thing. If somebody has a canoe on their shoulder and they're going uphill, don't be bashing them off the, the trail as you go down the hill. It's easier to go down than up. And so yeah. just Step pull to off the to the side. side. For a second. Get us to somebody's way. If, if somebody's coming along with a, with a canoe on their shoulders, step aside. Right? Don't leave garbage on portages Ugh. like socks. 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 Zip ties. Everybody socks raise zi- your hand if you've never found a sock on a portage. <laughs> if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I find so many socks and yeah. zip ties. Like people seem to uh, zip tie gear to canoes and when they get to the portage, they snap off the zip ties to release the and stuff. And just leave them and, there. And just leave them on the ground. So, you know, there's a pile of socks and a pile of zip ties at every portage. It's like, come on, people. What do you think? I thinking? found potatoes once. <laughs> it's so it's weird. Eh? Potatoes. What? What? It just all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm done with these potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, right? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. People are idiots. So the question is, do we need a series of etiquette guidebooks? I think what's, we do. What's, what's the Miss Manners? Oh, do yeah. Do we need yeah. like an Ellie or an Edwin etiquette guidebook i think we need some but all these different we we should we need it now not next year or the year after because right now during covid there's so many more people using the backcountry and they just have no clue as to the etiquettes of the backcountry etiquettes of any park etiquettes of how you deal with other campers and yeah it's a simple thing is like you know if i've i've had people say at mu lake they be you know they cut the corner to get where they're going and they go walk right through your campsite it's like Excuse me, I've rented this uh, site, so it's my site, right? Yeah. You can't just yeah. wander through my campsite. But that's like etiquette of, I mean, if you want to talk group campsites, um, somebody showing up, yeah, you know what? You've traveled a long day and you've arrived late. Yeah. So most people are settling down at 10 o'clock, 11 yeah. o'clock at night. It's not time to wind up the party time. And it's not time to wind up the party. It's not time to rip out that generator full right? full tilt. 1130 you know, at night. Yelling to each other, oh, I want to go to the car, grab me, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Right. Slamming doors. That, yeah. That's a bit of etiquette Yeah, right there. So do we need one for, let's see, hiking, hiking, backpacking. Yeah. 
canoe tripping. Yep. Um, I guess like kayaking, stand up paddle boarding, like regular yeah. paddling, not on a trip. Like, yeah. Uh, we need one for uh, climbing, I guess, because <laughs> <laughs> like there's so many of these these etiquette books that could be out there yeah. because there's so many people using the backcountry. Yeah. You know, a camping one. But I think one general book should cover all aspects. You could put everything in. Like, we should actually write a book. We should do... We Just should. do a little manual. Yeah. yeah. Stop being an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> page one. It's a one-page book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's so many things that out there. A lot of it is common sense. It's some but the, not everybody. You, yeah, some some people don't have that common. common. Yeah, common yeah. sense is not common. So you know what? When you start, like I say, we're uh, this this really came out when when you're starting to talk about the monolith and stuff like that. It's it's cool. It's really cool to see that. Oh, where did where did this come from? Nobody knows where it came from. Yeah. All that, all these you know. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. But at the end of the day, as cool as it is, and I I'm really I think it's cool. Yeah. It's still, it, it sh- they should not have said anything because it is a no, a leave no trace. You're violating the leave no Violation. trace and yeah. you're causing all kinds of people to go into the back country in their four wheel drives and, you know, drive over delicate uh, plants in the desert. And, you know, you get all these different hiking trails and people just walking willy nilly, stepping on everything. It's like, come on people. Willy nilly. Willy nilly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Either we should do it or somebody else. Do we know any good writers out there? <laughs> you need need to be illustrated. Lots of pictures. A lot of, lot of pictures. A lot of pictures. So that Derek the, can do it on his Derek's book club. <laughs> a lot of pictures of the dumb people. That, uh, yeah, just the etiquette of what, yeah. what you need to do on yeah. all these different things. Anytime you're backcountry, this is what you need to do. Here's a book. Here's a, uh, an ebook, a free yeah. ebook, a downloadable pamphlet. Here's a PDF. If you're going to the back country, read this first. <laughs> yeah. You're right. So anyway, um, let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about, I found 10 places, 10 new places. Well, they're not new, new to me, sort of for your paddling destinations. These are all, these all have something that are pretty cool with each one of these destinations. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Derek Sprest. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Uh, welcome back. So, uh, the other thing I've got here to, we're going to talk about tonight is 10 places for your paddling destinations list. And this is a pretty cool list. There's the, the stuff on this list is, uh, like good find here, man. Well, I went Googling stuff again, as I am opt to do, apt, apt to do, apt, apt to do. That is correct. And I come across, I just put in things like weird places to paddle and stuff like that. Weird things you see while paddling. And, you know, I just put in different keywords when I'm Googling. And a couple of things came up of paddling destinations that have some funky things that go. So I just started checking out a whole bunch of things and I, I came across a lot, but I, I just took 10 of them and, and thought we'd maybe pass them off. Um, we're not going to go in depth on all of these places. We're just going to go along the, the funky thing about the destination. Yeah. Some of them so, are easier than others to access. Some are like local, some are like far away, but for the most part, they all have this unique little twist to them that it's like, oh wow. That yeah. Would. Something that, that, yeah. that you'd want to go there just like, to I see. I really want to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what do we got? Let's start with the first one. Umfin Island in Ireland, uh, U M 
F-I-N, island in Ireland. So do you know if this is natural or is this man-made? From what I understand, it's natural. Huh. It's a 300 meter long tunnel that cuts through the center of a small island off the coast of County Donegal, Ireland. The tunnel is just big enough to fit a kayak and includes a 40 meter section of complete darkness. You need very calm water to paddle. Anything over one meter swell could ruin the trip. You need calm seas and lots of lights. (laughs) So if you're going to Ireland for a family vacation or something like that, and you think, you know what? It'd be cool because, I mean, everybody's, well, where can I, where can I go paddling while I'm on family vacation or something like that? Find a, and I do believe there's a guy that takes people on trips here. He'll take you out for the day. So I see that you can swim through it or paddle through it or. I don't know that I want to swim through it be kind of cold. Yeah, I guess it is ocean, but, but yeah. Like Atlantic Ocean? Put a wetsuit on. Yeah. But <laughs> there, um, there's a video, uh, there's videos here of people swimming through it. Really? Yeah. I just saw the pi- the kayakers. So yeah, if you were to sit here, 300 meters, that's cool. You're in a tunnel. And it's not too far that it's like, but yeah, like to, it's you, wide enough for a kayak. Yeah. And then that, it'd be that so 40 meter. wide enough for kayak, wide enough for kayak that you can paddle the kayak, well, or wide enough that you can palm the rocks and push yourself along. Well, they, they just, I would assume they, there's enough to paddle. If they say it's wide enough for kayak, they must have, I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about with a paddle. paddle. Yeah. But I mean, that'd be, so, yeah. Cause that'd be, that would be way too claustrophobic if, yeah. you know, there's no wiggle room at all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's and there's be... a portion of it that it's completely black. 40 meters of blackness. So you're definitely taking lights, a headlamp and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, right? So that's the first one. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, number two. I challenge you to pronounce that properly. Chanta <laughs> Locoatlan Cave. <laughs> Chanta Locoatlan Cave in Mexico. Chanta Locoatlan You're fired. (laughs) In Mexico, accessing this three kilometer long tunnel is a challenge with a steep descent to a giant cave opening, but it's nothing compared to what's inside. Giant boulders pierce the churning water surface throughout the run and at some points are impossible to pass without riding the rocks as well as the river. Paddling this in daylight would be a thrill, but doing it in pitch black with only headlamps to pick out the route takes things to another level. This is a cave you're paddling through. Yeah. yeah. A three kilometer long cave <laughs> that you're paddling white water in the dark, boulders. It's pretty amazing. You got to have a good headlamp. Yeah. You got to have a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, brains ain't one of them. <laughs> you got to have something wrong with you is what you got to have. No, this is, this is like I say, this would be cool. If you're into this sort of thing, Yeah, this would be right up your alley. So it is a descent. Does it say how far it descends? No. No, I never I never got that involved into get all details? of it. Yeah. I, I'm just sort of getting into the what's in what it's what it's about that sounds pretty exciting though yeah uh, that, that wouldn't be my cup of tea i mean if it was a nice easy paddle underground yeah i'm like through a three kilometer cave system that'd be yeah that'd be up my alley but when you're talking about giant boulders white water yeah, yeah i don't even do that above the ground i'm not going to do it under the ground <laughs> Well, the, the first one, the Umfin Island, uh, I just noticed a notation here that it says that at one portion of the cave, it is only 60 centimeters wide. Ooh. That's pretty tight. That is. So you're palming it there. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, number three, we have all seen this one. Yeah, who on hasn't? The minute I saw but this I one. I had no idea as to its location. It's our own. It is ours. Yes. Lions Bay, Canada, the drainage ditch and man-made concrete channel leading down a mountain into Howe Sound in British Columbia is like a giant, giant kayak water chute. It descends 800 meters and is suitable for beginners. 
Does that video, when you watch that video... <laughs> that's not, I don't think that's beginner. All you need is a lot of courage to handle speeds yeah. of more than 70 kilometers per hour. It can be done at, only at high tide, though, or the run ends in a pile of rocks. <laughs> Which, you know... So why would they pour that channel? I guess it's for erosion prevention on the mountain, right? I would right? think so, just so the water... There's a lot of water running ...drains into and, one spot, yeah. right? It uh, takes... This one takes more guts than skills. <laughs> so if anybody has seen over the last couple of years, uh, the guys are going down that drainage ditch and there's grass and on each side and trees and they're in the kayaks and they're going on the grass and they're going through the ditch. And, and flying. And they're just absolutely flying. That is Lion's Bay drainage ditch in BC. <laughs> and yeah, that's... I mean, realistically, you really wouldn't need many skills for that, I guess. It could be a beginner. Because what do you do? Point your canoe towards the water. <laughs> just point and go. <laughs> Hope to hell you're just going straight. Because I, I got to think the guys that are doing it in the video are doing a little bit of hot doggy stuff, right? Yeah. They're yeah. going over. But if you sit one right in that drainage. In one of the videos I saw. Yeah, if you sit right in that drainage ditch. And it's not a very deep drainage ditch either. And you just shoot straight down. You know, I think that yeah, you're, you're yeah. picking up speed and yeah, because yeah. there's only like a couple inches of water in that ditch. Yeah. So my thing though is if because they, I'm sure they don't get a ton of of the snow over there. Yeah. If all that froze and then out onto the the ocean. That'd be one hell of a toboggan <laughs> run. Wouldn't it? That would be, I would be, be there deadly. lickety split. 800 meters, 70 kilometers an hour on a crazy carpet. <laughs> just shooting straight. Just GT snow racer, baby. Clear the way. Clear the, oh man. Yeah, that'd be something. That'd be absolutely something. Uh, so yeah, that's, <laughs> I would go there just, I would set up. Set up a video camera. And I just, would set up yeah. a chair. And a cooler, and just watch people rip down this thing all day long. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be no different than people going to watch car races. Well, exactly, right? Yeah, yeah we're going to go see the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Yeah, well, I'm going to go watch the drainage ditch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four, the Big Island in Hawaii. There's a small stretch on Hawaii's big island coastline. A huge plume of steam marks the point where the lava flow from Kilauea Volcano meets the Pacific. A paddle here is like no other with molten lava turning to rock in front of your eyes and then floating past you while hissing with steam. The sea is like bath water, but get too close and you can melt, melt your, your boat. boat. <laughs> <laughs> but that'd be cool though. Yes. Right? Like, I mean, well, yeah. you, if you, you like with I say, a safe distance, but yeah, like just to see that happening, to see yeah, just lava watch flowing all that into the water ocean. floating oh, over. That'd be amazing. And then floating by you. And you know, there's people liquid that have been rock. there. And, I've never seen liquid rock before. No. Not, not with no. my own eyes. No. But you know, there's people, you cannot tell me that people have not sat there in the kayaks going, this is awesome. And when they see the lava floating by, <laughs> you cannot tell me somebody Multiple somebodies have not reached in to grab a piece <laughs> Don't and do walked it. around with burnt hands afterwards. <laughs> so how do you paddle back yeah. with burnt hand? <laughs> but no, that that would be really cool to see that. Just yeah. sitting. I mean, I've seen pictures of it and that, but to actually see the lava just coming yeah. over, incredible, eh? Would be would be really awesome. That'd be awesome to see that. Uh, number five, Glacier Bay. Cold and beautiful corner of the world, which catches attention of the kayakers. You can enjoy stunning glacier views, snowy mountains, and remote life. Glacier Bay is a national park, which is also on the UNESCO World Heritage List. Oh, look at that. So this, when you look at the pictures of this place alone, you know, kayak or canoe or stand-up paddleboard, whatever you got to get up there, this is worth a trip to see it. Because, I mean, you're talking you know, the mountains, the glaciers, you know, you know, like a nice, big, beautiful lake. You got ice, big chunks of ice, small chunks of ice, all floating in it. 
and just to get in, and you got to think of how quiet it would be up there too. Oh yeah. You Can know? you imagine? That'd be beautiful. And yeah, you know what? You want to get away from it all in a destination where, you know, it's one of those places that are a bit harder to get into, but. Oh, it's beautiful. It would be well worth getting into that. This looks familiar. This, uh, there's pictures here of the glacier. I think I've seen a video of the glacier calving and causing waves towards people staying on the shore and on the ice flows. Could be. But it's very familiar. Be definitely a place to go to though. Mm-hmm. You know, with, with something to it's incredible. out. Yeah. Some of the pictures are just incredible. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Stunning. The mountains and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six, Patagonia, Argentina, and Chile. If you don't mind kayaking with a bit of a chill, the area known as Patagonia has some of the most breathtaking mountaintop glaciers you will find. Paddle through fjords and icebergs you cannot see unless on kayaks. There's also much wildlife to see here, including whales, orcas, sea lions, seals, and if you go far enough south, penguins. 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 <laughs> uh, if anybody has watched any of the YouTube videos with um, uh, Cumberbatch, what's his first name? Lionel? I don't know. Lionel <laughs> Cumberbatch. <laughs> uh, why well, can't I remember his name? I don't know. I want to say Justin, it's not no, Justin. No, no. Just uh, Benedict. 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 Lionel. <laughs> Maybe Lionel Justin's his middle name. Benedict Cumberbatch. There's a, a little thing. Apparently he... Um, For National Geographic or was, was it, it... One of those Discovery Channel yeah. nature shows. He was he was one of the, the he was narrators. A, he was the narrator for the... And he can't say penguin. Yeah. It always keeps coming out. It. Penguin, penguin, pen, 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 penguin. <laughs> He, he said it. He said it like nine different ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never yeah. right, and never the same way twice. And people keep calling it on him. Yeah. Now saying, what, "What's the name of that bird?" <laughs> <laughs> it's a penguin. <laughs> it's a it's a penguin. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so you'll see all that there. And again, Patagonia is one of those places that have been popping up for me. Different TV shows and stuff. Oh yes, yeah. Within the yeah. last. Five, six months. Mm-hmm. It's been popping up a lot. Maybe that's just telling me something. <laughs> Sean, you need to go to Patagonia. <laughs> I'd love to. Wouldn't that be amazing south, to go there? Yeah. South, south end of uh, South America. That'd be awesome to go there. Uh, but yeah, just the, again, the scenery, different. And the thing about a location like this, it is way, way out of the norm Oh, to yeah. what you're, what you're used to paddling. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that's part of, part of the, I mean, if you want to go paddle in the mountains, you can find mountains closer to There's home. stuff. Yeah. You know, if you want to go to icebergs, go to, go to Iceland sort of thing. But something like this is just that extra. It, it's over know? the top. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, and go through the fjords and seeing the icebergs and stuff like that. That definitely is a, a, a love to go, a love to go place. Number seven. The Zambezi River in Africa. So what's... So the Zambezi River has its source in Zambia, flows east to the Indian Ocean. Victoria Falls is on it. This is the river to visit if you want to see waterfalls. I love waterfalls. It's one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Really? Victoria Falls. How do I know that? I don't know. But you know it now. I do now. There you go. I won't know it tomorrow. Kayaking along this river is like going on a safari. You are likely to see elephants, hippos, crocodiles, water buffaloes, zebras, and lions. I hear the hippos are very friendly. They like to let you pet them. Oh, yeah. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> crocodiles, too. Crocodiles are, are, are friendly because they're not alligators. <laughs> hey, doesn't mention snakes. Oh, yes, yes. Awesome. Do you know that there's a place you can go to in Winnipeg, Manitoba? No, Gimli, Manitoba, which is near Winnipeg. There's Gimli. a snake island or something like that. There. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I didn't read much into it because, you know, I just, oh, snake island, nope, I'm done. <laughs> so and I moved gonna, on. You're going to do a trip there? I <laughs> know. <laughs> to see all the snakes? Uh, but there's Zambezi. Now, there's white water and stuff on this, and there's, there's you know, different things to see. But, yeah, just to see, paddle up to to see Vic, Victoria Falls oh, know, and all right? the different big, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. big waterfalls, things. And of course, the draw of this is you're looking at stuff that we only see on National Geographic. Exactly. You right. know, it's like, you know, we have friends that are over in Europe that they want to come to Canada because, well, this is the stuff that we don't see here. Yeah. Well, it's the same with Africa. Yeah. We want to go to Africa because it's stuff that we don't see here. We get waterfalls and stuff, but it's we don't so have elephants. Breathtaking. We go to elephants. We go to the zoo. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Zambezi River in Africa that that really be a, a cool one to to take a multi day trip on. Number eight, and this would be cool for an evening. Yes. Paddle. Yeah. Glowworm caves on Make, Ma, uh, Lake McLaren. In New Zealand. Where else will you see glow worms from the cockpit of your kayak? The caves on Lake McLaren are a mysterious that way. Float beneath incandescent, or sorry, in, yeah, incandescent worms and then let the moonlight and stars guide you back to shore. And the pictures you see of, of, of this are like all these walls in blue, glowing blue. Oh yeah? From all the worms, all the glow worms. How cool would that be? Except they start dropping. <laughs> yeah, well, off on yeah, yeah. There, there are because they're, they're worms are basically just small, small snakes <laughs> without teeth. <laughs> How do you know they don't? I have got teeth? bitten by a worm. <laughs> uh, no, but just the glow worms. But I mean, that's just like the you get those tides that glow. Yeah. There's all the microplankton or organisms yeah, phytoplankton that cause and, yeah. the 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 water to glow. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. But to, again, to be able to paddle through a cave and all the walls are glowing blue because of all these worms <laughs> yeah. and stuff, that's pretty neat, right? Uh, number nine. This is another really cool one. The Blue River in Greenland. If you could choose how to explore this icy island, don't hesitate to pick kayaking. The melting Peterman Glacier fills in the lower areas of the glacier and creates an unbelievable shade of clear light blue water. This is also the reason why the river had a different shape every year. Kayaking the river is really the only way you can truly immerse yourself in its beauty and feel its uniqueness. And again, when I was looking at the pictures and all that sort of stuff of this, it's like you see this big glacier with this river running through it. And yet you just kayak down this massive, mm-hmm. it's not a massive, like wide yeah. or deep river, but yeah. And you're, and there's just the color of the water. And again, when you're up on one of these glaciers, you're not hearing the hubbub of, of noise around you. You're going to be hearing the, the cracking Pressure. of ice yep. and, yep. you know, maybe some birds or something calling overhead, that sort of thing. Uh, and the hoots and hollers of your buddies that are your, that are with you, <laughs> that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, definitely look the look at the Blue River in Greenland. Check out those pictures. That that'll be something. That'd be really something to, to go see. And number ten, Soka River in Slovenia, an eighty-six mile long river, is among the most beautiful on the planet and the most famous for family water adventures like rafting and kayaking, which the Slovenians' favorite summer activity. Winding through canyons of rock and mountainous scenery. The river is best known for its unique color that stretches the whole length. So when I was going through all the websites, checking different places to paddle and things that are unique and stuff, this kept coming up a lot. Slovenia and Croatia Hmm. seem to come up a lot as paddling destinations. And yeah, you look at some of these, these See, places. I never really heard of that. It's I get if you're I imagine if you're in the industry and stuff like that, you would have heard this. But for me, I have never heard that. Well, the only thing I know, I mean, the wars that were over there. Yes, right? yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that, that you really know Bosnia, the war anymore. Yeah, but um, yeah, Slovenia and Croatia are are two places that I've seen a lot about for for paddling. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some photos. You're looking, oh, well, that I wonder where in Ontario that is. And then you find it's Slovenia. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know, like you're you're looking at these places and like, that looks like North, North Ontario <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. And, 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 and it's not. So, so that is one of the other places that uh, definitely would love to check out. Pretty cool list, man. Yeah. Like I say, when you're, when you're looking at, if you're looking at things on a whole, like, could I do a, a two week trip or something it's there's a lot of these things i'm not going to go 
to Umphin Island to Ireland and paddle for two weeks. No, you know, exactly. Like, it's I mean I may, but but from it, what it's, I'm, it's I'm one of those fine. things. Keep the list in mind if you happen yeah. to find yourself in one of these areas. If you're happen to find yourself there, you know what? Check these things. Yeah. Out. And some of them are like I say with Lions Bay. I may not go do that, mm-hmm. but I'd gladly watch other idiots do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when the lockdown finishes, start planning your worldwide trips. Going to see the Umphin Island Tunnel, the and you know the, the Big Island Hawaii. There's a lot of stuff on this list that I like. Like I've always wanted to go to the Big Island Hawaii and and see the lava, yeah. right? That'd be cool. That'd be cool. And like I say, Glacier Bay or Patagonia. I, I got to get to Patagonia one day. Maybe when I retire. Who knows? <laughs> um, the last thingy I've got here. Well, second last thingy. The 10 best whitewater rafting destinations in the world. Two are in the U.S. Two are two in Canada. Canada. Uh, the others are in Zimbabwe, Costa Rica, Ecuador, and Chile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Futaleofu River in Chile, I've never heard of. The Chilco River and the Magpie River in Canada, I've heard of. Zambezi River, I've heard of. I mean, we just talked about that, number seven there. Rio Upano in Ecuador, I've definitely heard about that one. Uh, Pucuare River in Costa Rica, I don't think I've heard about that one. Sounds familiar, but I don't know that I know much about it. Mm. Colorado River. In mm-hmm. the U.S. and the Middle Fork on the Salmon River. I've heard both. I've heard both of those. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about a whitewater rafting. You know, if you do a, a two week trip, it's low or something key. Like it's that. easy. You don't need a lot of skill. Everybody's st- oh Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon. That's the big Grand one you Canyon's see you hear about. That's pretty major. Grand that's Canyon, pretty serious yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like start I small. I don't think I would want like at with what I do paddle wise. Mm-hmm. It's cool to look oh, at. Oh, it's yeah. cool to yeah. watch. I don't think that would be my cup of tea to be the guy <laughs> in the boat yeah. that people are watching. Um, hey, who's that crazy guy screaming in that boat? <laughs> oh, that's just Sean. Don't mind him. <laughs> I'm sure he's having fun. Uh, but the the Middle Fork Salmon River, I've heard a lot about that, and I've seen photos and stuff. That looks like a really awesome trip. That looks like a really cool place to go. And the border's a, open. On a rafting Let's go. trip. And that, you know, and that's exactly what I'm thinking. It's like, we ought to talk to John Van Berger and a couple others. Yeah. And say, hey. He can be our river whisperer and we can. River big, whisperer? Yeah, the river, river whisperer. It's hard to say. <laughs> say that 10 times real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you down for two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot of places to, for a river uh, the, the river rafting, river whispering, <laughs> uh, river, whitewater river rafting. Oh, I said that pretty, pretty fast and pretty good there. Yeah. And I think, I'm thinking, you know what? The Middle Fork Salmon River in the U.S., I think that was, that'll be my destination. We've done, I've done, um, like day trips here in Ontario. Yeah. Like the owl rafting. And, yes. And, and whatnot. Um, but I think, yeah, Salmon River, Middle Fork. That's where we're going. We're doing it. Um, other than that, I think that is all we've got this week. That Except is for one it. last promotional One last item. little promotional item. The online photographic adventure to benefit the outdoor kind on behalf of our good buddy and foreign correspondent, John Van Berger. Next Wednesday, December 16th, 2020, 8 p.m. Eastern Time in Canada and the U.S., uh, minimum $4 per person to join into the interactive presentation through, though additional donations will allow them to even do more educational safety outreach in the coming year. So it's an online photographic uh, adventure, a lot of photographs, and John, interactive John will be talking, answering questions and stuff. Photos he's done over the years, and there's some pretty, yeah. Yeah. he's got some pretty nice photos. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you go to the outdoorkind.org slash outdoors dash photos, you can, um, sign up, register to, to be a part of this presentation. And when you have read, completed your transaction, you will be taken to a private page on our website, given an unlisted web address of the presentation, bookmark it, add it to your calendar. If you cannot make it for the live presentation, you'll have access to a recording of the presentation until December 23rd. Presentation raises funds for the outdoor kind, which conducts educational outreach to make your time outdoors safer and more enjoyable. 
and they, they will be using monies raised to help support North American first responders, like the ones that come out and help you when you goof up in the water and need an emergency. And they supply educational materials to help outdoor enthusiasts avert problems before they start. And there's going to be a link. We've actually posted it already on oh, our Facebook you? page. Okay. I shared it on our Facebook page, so you can go right there and find out all the information. And again, that's uh, next Wednesday, December 16th, the online photographic adventure to benefit the outdoor kind. Uh, other than that, that's all I've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find out more about us, uh, you can go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Do you know our listenership has grown 124% on Spotify this year? Has it? You do now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can listen to us uh, or download um, on our episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio. And if you enjoy the podcast, please share it with everybody you know. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.